see Harim waving his arms wildly at me in the control booth, which means that we are live on the air. Harim, didn't I fire you last week? Yeah, I did. You're back. You just keep coming back. The nice thing is, every time I fire you and you come back a week later, we start out at base pay package again. We just start all over. Yeah. That's Alex. You hear Alex Rodriguez in studio with me, our very own A-Rod. That's right, A-Rod. But you don't earn like A-Rod. No, but I used to have a bobblehead of A-Rod. Did you really? And that was kind of cool on my desk. I could hit that head, go back and forth. There you go. I need my own bobblehead. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. I have my own bobblehead. Do you really? Oh, yeah. No, years ago, I walked in front of a... um, Oh, by the way, you're listening to Disclosure. My name is Sean Boonstra, and I have the world's largest head. I'm built like a candy apple. Um, I walked in front of a projector and saw my shadow, and uh, and I thought, my word, I have the words, world's <laughs> largest head. And my wife laughed. She said, oh, come on, you're just being sensitive. I said, no, it's big and thick, and it's like, it's it, I'm a freak. And then our daughter was born. She was 50th percentile length, 50th weight, 50th everything except for head size, which was 95th percentile. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we are the Candy Apple tribe. So, hey, if you're out there listening, <laughs> um, this is supposed to represent excellence in broadcasting, and I think we just popped that balloon. <laughs> it's not excellence in broadcasting, but we do come in here with all our hearts and speak our hearts and minds. This is faith-based. It is Christian-oriented. We love God. We love the Bible. So we do our best. Uh, but in every episode, we discover that man truly is fallen and falls That's short right. of the glory of That's God, right? right? Um, this show is brought to you by the great people, the amazing folks at The Voice of Prophecy. Um, and the people at The Voice of Prophecy are really good at one thing in particular, Alex, that's Bible study. As a matter of fact, back in the—was it the 1940s that we started 1940s, our, yep. our correspondence Bible school? used to be called the Bible School of the Air, which is very dramatic. But the show used to be called Tabernacle that's right. of the Air. So Tabernacle of the Air becomes Voice of Prophecy. Bible School of the Air eventually by the 1990s— became the Discover Bible School. And last year, just last year, completely uh, re-updated. You can't re-update something. We updated it and revamped it and reworked it and re-illustrated it, and it is gorgeous. I have in my hot little hands a copy of lesson number one of our Correspondence Bible course called the Discover Bible School. And here's what we're going to try and do today, Alex. We're going to try and entice the audience to get a copy of these lessons for themselves. So, here's the good news. You know what these cost? Do you know what these cost the listener to get? I bet you're going to tell us. Yeah, I am. I think they're free, aren't they? They're absolutely free. They're absolutely free. Absolutely free. And honest and for true, they're free. This is not one of those things where you find out that you subscribe to something for the next 40 years. Like, remember Columbia Records? Mm -hmm. You order one for 99 cents, too good to be true, and it is. It is. Because you have to buy 15 at regular price. And um, so, but that's not the case here. This is the Discover Bible course, and there's no cost. There's no obligation. You can have these for free. We want you to have them. It's why we exist, to make sure that you have this opportunity. And what I like about the Discover Bible course is that it kind of takes you through the Bible subject by subject rather than starting in Genesis through Revelation. It touches down on all the major themes of the Bible so that you come away with this sort of bird's eye view of what the Bible story is and the Bible picture of the world. So I guarantee this, if you take this course, the Discover Bible course, it'll change your perspective on this world forever. I promise that. I can guarantee that because it has for, well, better than a million people now, right? Yeah, that's right. That's we're, right. We're well past. We met our millionth graduate. Uh, I think this was back in, in 10, 2010. Oh, so we're nine years past that. Yeah. 
Really? Yeah, and I could be wrong. It could be a few years later, but now we're we're well, we're well past a How do now decades. And that that's only in North America, because the Discover lessons have been translated into sixty some odd languages. Really? Oh yeah, this is incredible. I should know this stuff. I really no, should. That, but that's why. That's why but that's why you're here. Yeah. So Alex Rodriguez. Uh, is a director in our Bible school department and of evangelism and outreach. And we thought we'd sit down and tell you about the Discover Bible course. And let's just make this, let's just be honest, let's make this an infomercial because there's nothing to buy. There's no obligation. Sure, you get this for free. We want you to get a copy of this. And so we're going to take a look at lesson number one together today. And um, you can follow along, actually, because um, you can already take a sneak peek online at these, can't you? That's right. You can you can go to VOP.com, yep. then click on Study in the menu, mm-hmm. and uh, choose to take the online Bible study. It takes you right to Okay, uh, right so you, to could actually, you could actually pause this podcast right now and go there and, and, you could and, go over and there right a look now. at this. What is it about this Bible course that you like? I mean, it's, it's less than a—well, it's about a year old now, the new sure. edition of it. Um, what got your attention about this? What is it that kind of turns your crank? Well, there's several things on. One is aesthetically. It's, it's just gorgeous. It's, they've, they've done a, a tremendous job. I say they—you know, we— we have a, an amazing creative team here, yeah. and you know, they've done an incredible job just putting the the thing together. They they look really really nice and and uh, inviting. Uh, then, secondly, one of the things that I like about uh, about these are their flexibility. So you get the. You're less, not talking about how I can bend the not paper. How no, I can no. Bend. no, no. It's just that there's yeah. so many ways to study this thing. You you have the main lesson as you turn the pages. Yep. But then you get to the back, and we have something called word search here. It's a one-pager. Yeah, I saw that. And uh, you can look up verses here. You can fill in the blanks. Uh, so it's it's kind of a uh, affecting another another mode of study where not you're not just reading. Now you're actually writing, and so it sticks in your in your mind. And then they all come packaged with a little questionnaire. And that questionnaire has about five or six true or false questions that you can fill out at the end, and it really pinpoints the highlights of of the study itself. Great. So you really do dig into the topic. Absolutely. And there's Absolutely. beautiful illustrations. There's a lot of great content, and it will get you in the habit of turning to the Bible to find answers. Exactly. I tell you, by the time you're done this course, you'll know your Bible. You'll know your way around. Even if you've never cracked one open in your life, you will know your way around the Bible. And that's the important part here. Yeah. The content is incredible. As you said, it takes you through a journey of Scripture. Yeah, great. So um, it's fantastic. There you go. We could end the show now. But I think right. we should do one of these lessons, or at least talk about them together. Uh, lesson number one, Alex, starts with a story of a pilot named Mark. Let's do a spoiler. Tell me what happened to Mark. So Mark is uh, is a bit of a of a non-believer, a atheist, doesn't believe in God, um, but he finds himself flying over over the Arctic, uh, the Alaskan Arctic, um, and for one reason or another, he uh, he notices that he is a ways away, thirty minutes or so, and his engine begins to to misfire. He looks down; he's uh, he's barely barely uh, uh, flying with fuel. He's he's almost out of fuel. That's not good news. And in that's Alaska. never a good news no. anywhere when you're on an airplane, uh, but definitely in Alaska. And so I, I think this is where where some of those uh, comments come out that uh, there's there's never an atheist in a sinking ship type thing and 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 yeah. I think that that's where he find finds himself and so you learn how to pray in a hurry you learn how to pray in a hurry and that's exactly what what he does uh, he he prays a prayer you know Lord if um, if you're real um, help me out and and sure enough um, he is able to to fly with an empty tank. For about twenty miles, and and land that thing, hmm. 
And so then, then this is a conundrum for him because now you have a lot of questions to ask. Yeah. Yeah, because you can't explain that any other way. I mean, no, no, no. You know, maybe if you flew a mile or so, you, your gauges weren't working. But when you practically fly, fly 20 miles and have no fuel and, and you've just prayed, God help me. And if, uh, if you get me through this, then, then I'll, I'll look into you. Uh, I think at that point when you're down, you, you, have, a, you, know, you have a commitment to, to look into, into the godly things and see if Jesus is real. He's already proved it uh, in the air, and, and now that's exactly what he does. Uh, so in his mind, he's, he's gotten to the point where he's thinking, there's got to be something there. There's got to be this higher power. There's got to be, be some kind of, of, of God that answered my prayer. And now he begins his journey. Now, that's the biggest question in the whole universe, isn't it, right? Is there a God? And what I find fascinating is that when they go around the world and talk to human beings, and we're, what, 7 billion thick now on this planet, it's still something like 95% of people. I don't have the exact number, but I know it's in the 90s. 90-some percent of people believe in a supreme being. They might differ on who that is or how we relate to that supreme being, but they still believe it. And I know that frustrates the atheists among us. You know, I, I hear the Sam, the, um, it's not, it's uh, not Sam Harris and Christopher Hitchens and Richard Dawkins and others saying, man, what is it going to take to abolish religion in this world and to get rid of this idea of God? They're frustrated. They can't make any headway against the world of religion because people can't let go of the idea that there's got to be something out there. They can't persuade us there is no God. Um, They might be able to persuade us to be skeptical or to treat God lightly, but they're having an awful time convincing us there's nothing. Oh, it's hard to turn a blind eye. Yeah. You know, how do you how do you turn a blind eye to to all these things that are absolutely unexplainable and and would would take the the power of of an outside influence of some sort that that that's that's there that yeah. you know and and I think this is the problem. So we can start from a certain perspective and and from then on we can start building uh, our theories. But anything beyond that, as we as we look into the pillars and the foundations and well, how did that come into play and how did right. that come into play? Then we break down. Right. You know, the, the Mark story is interesting to me. I, I actually have a personal one. We're going to take a break in a minute, but then we'll dig into Bible study. I had a story like that. I used to pastor up on the Alaska Highway, and so I'm out in the tundra, and it's 40, 50, 60 below, like it is in Puerto Rico where you were born. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Really cold. Yeah. There. And I'm in this truck with a uh, an electrician, and we're in the middle of the tundra, and we take a wrong turn, and we go miles in the wrong direction. And he looks at me at one point, he says, we've got a problem. I said, what's the problem? He says, we've got less than an eighth of a tank of propane left. Mm. I'm driving on propane. I said, how far is it to the road? He said, who knows? Could be 50, 60, 100 miles. I don't know. Mm. And we're in the middle of nowhere, and we're going to freeze to death because no one comes looking for you out no. there. And we stopped, and we prayed, Lord. It was probably our foolishness that did this to us, but you took the widow's oil and stretched it till her needs were mm-hmm. met. In the Old Testament, please, we don't deserve it because we made this mistake, but would you please stretch the propane? And you know something? We drove and drove and drove and made it back to the highway right when the engine quit. And we were on the highway. Oh, where that's we could, awesome. Yeah. So I know that that happens. And um, now, sometimes... If you play foolish, God doesn't bail you out every time. I don't want everybody to think you can just live how you want and call on God, but I've had that experience. I know there's something out there. And sometimes people accuse Christians of taking a blind leap of faith when they choose to believe in God, and they think it's all faith, it's all presumption, and that we have no real reason to believe, no evidence. And I think that's what Lesson 1, in part at least, is about. Uh, What is the evidence for a God? How do we know that there is one, right? Yeah, and that's the nice thing about Scripture. God doesn't leave you guessing. 
there, there's always an element of faith, obviously, when you're dealing with uh, the supernatural things that, that are hard for us to understand. But but ultimately, when we look at Scripture, God is, is very, very clear to give us uh, indications and strong evidence that, that He exists. And and I think uh, anybody that would be willing to, to read the Bible with, with an open mind and allow it to speak uh, will come away thinking, wow, there, right. there is God. God leaves room for doubt just like He leaves room for faith because He doesn't force anything. But over and over again, the Bible uses words like reasonable. Yeah. And use your mind, Paul in particular. You know, right. This is the reasonable right. service of your mind. It is a reasonable faith. It is also a historical faith. So you can go back and look at how God has acted in history in the past and find evidence there. And that's a lot of what we're going to look at today. I see the clock running out. And so what we're going to do, we're looking at the Discover Bible course, the brand new Discover Bible course, which you can find at the website. Uh, VOP.com. VOP.com. And you can get this absolutely free. Lesson number one, we can believe in God. And honestly, you can believe in God. And when we come back from the break, Alex and I are going to take a look at some of what the Bible says about the existence of God, who he is, what his role in our lives is and in in the universe, and uh, give you just enough that you can start your exploration of whether or not God is real and what that might mean for you. So, Listen to the uh, amazing offer from Voice of Prophecy in this next break. You're going to want to write that information down because these offers don't come along every day. You're going to want to take advantage of it. And then right after the break, Alex and I will come back and we'll be discussing Discover Bible Guide number one. tornadoes, wildfires. Around us, homes are being lost, lives are threatened, and some people are asking the question, does God even care about me? The Bible answers that question, and what it says is very encouraging. Find out what God says regarding this topic and some of life's greatest issues in our free Discover Bible Guides. Go to VOP.com and click on Study, or call us 888-456-7933. Retirement planning can be a stressful process, but it doesn't have to be. The friendly people at The Voice of Prophecy can walk you through the entire process and explain all of your options based on your specific needs. Whether you'd like to set up a trust for income or make a gift that will benefit your loved ones and change lives through The Voice of Prophecy, we're here to help. To learn more, call 1-800-348-5993. And we're back from the break, and I see Harim is still in the control room. Didn't we fire him in the last segment, or was I just thinking about it? Um, I don't know, but he came back. He came back. Whatever you did, Welcome back. back. It's like your first day at work again. It's like, uh, what's that? what was the old movie? Groundhog Day. Every day is your same day over and over <laughs> again. Um, no, we love Harim. Please don't write your complaint letters and say how cruel we are to Harim. We love him. He's never actually been fired, and I need to. And he's getting a pat on the back in the control room from Joel, who has just been fired. He didn't. He's yeah, I just fired him. Joel. Yeah, we'll fire Joel from now on. No, and I should stop firing you on the air, Harim, because didn't we go to like a live event in Raleigh, North Carolina, and someone came up, "Hey, I mean, you're Harim. You're the guy who gets fired all the time." <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. We're on lesson number one of the Discover Bible Guides. Free for you. Not free for us. We raised money and spent a lot of money. So if, if you really enjoy the Discover lessons, you happen to be listening and think, man, I'd like someone else to have those. We won't say no to you sending a donation to help with that. But, That's right. But That's right. if you're interested in studying the Bible honest and for true, this doesn't cost you a dime. Just ask for it. Just ask for it. Okay. Lesson number one. We're going to sort of talk about... Who is God? You know, what has he done? Uh, does he exist? And I know that you've got some Bible study points and things that some Bible texts that we can spend some time looking at today, Alex. So uh, let's yeah, get we, started. We've got more in here between our two uh, papers than we have time to cover, but we're going to try to yeah, get Yeah, but there. let's, let, let's right. highlight this lesson a little bit and talk about it, because this is a big one. I mean, if God doesn't exist, that says a lot about how I'm going to live the rest of my life. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And not because I'm scared. It's just... Uh, I'm not scared of God. The idea is, is there purpose in my life? Are we headed somewhere? That changes how you look at the world. And that, I think, fundamentally is a question that everybody has. And and, and along with that, of course, is, is trying to think back about um, where uh, and how things began. What What is the beginning? Where yeah. is the beginning? Yeah. And so we, we have a, a little um, – actually, the, the, the document that we're going to be going through, it's another study that is – that is a partner to the Discover Lessons. Yeah, I'll, I'll tap it on the table so everybody can hear. I have a That's copy right. in my hands. And it's called Talking Points, Good. which is part of the flexibility of the Discover Lessons. You have multiple ways to study it. But there's some questions laid out in these talking points that help us uh, figure out the, the, the uh, profoundness of the study, the, the, the details of the study. And so we're going to go through those. Okay. So question number one. Yeah. Lay it on me. Who designed our world and everything in it? Hmm. That's the question. And, of course, that's the question that uh, that many scientists can't right. seem to, to get yeah, their mind around. i get my Bible ready and my glasses back on. I just took my glasses off. And don't turn 50, Alex. You're not going to like how that plays out. No, no. I'm, I'm liking my... You're not very far behind me, brother. Five years. Five years, bro. Oh, that's quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm young. I'm oh, young. You, so you could, chicken. like, do my funeral. Yes, yes. Thank yes. you. I'll put some Thank you for agreeing to that. roses and black licorice is what I'll yeah, put Yeah, throw that in the casket because yeah. that's probably what would have killed me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. In all seriousness, all right. let's get to question one, which was who designed, who designed our, world? our world and oh, okay. everything in it. Okay. What are we going to look at? Isaiah. Isaiah okay. chapter 40, verses uh-huh. 26 and 28. Oh, okay. All right. You want me to? Yeah, go ahead and read that. Okay. Lift up your eyes. This is Isaiah 40 and verse 26. Lift up your eyes on high. And see who has created these things, who brings out their host by number. He calls them all by name, by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one is missing. That, I think, is verse 26. Um, It continues. I'm going to read 27, too. Uh, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by God? Have you not known? Here we get into verse 28. That's right. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. That's right. That's right. And, and I love the clarity that that scripture gives here. Yeah. Uh, so when we're talking about who, who is the author of this world that we live in, who is the designer, who is the author, um, Isaiah 40 does not mix any words here. Uh, God is the creator of, of everything. Yeah, absolutely. Here, here's what I find interesting, is that the way this is phrased, it, it's like God saying, look, I know you're confused as to whether or not I exist, but I'm not that hard to find. 
That's right. That's what he's saying. Look, lift up your eyes, have a look. I'm here. I'm waiting to be discovered. Now, what's interesting, there's a bit of a paradox in verse 28. It says, his understanding is unsearchable. There are things about God I will never understand. But one of the things I will understand is that he exists, and he's made that obvious. In... He's made that very obvious. Yeah. In, in fact, um, now that you say that, he has made that so obvious. Uh, let me see if I can turn quickly to Romans. Uh, Romans, Romans 1. chapter 1. Oh, uh, we think too much alike. Verse, it's scary. I wrote <laughs> that down 20. here. 20. Yeah. Romans... Uh, Romans 1, verse 20. And I will... You can hear our Bibles turning. I, I hope you're at home doing the here. same thing. It says... For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So there's enough evidence that we don't have an excuse for saying he's not there. That's right. That's right. God, with with what he has created, he's done it in such a way that it causes us to pause. We look at this and say, wow. That that is amazing, and and how amazing it is when we look at, at at different parts of nature, or we look at different things that that are are symmetrical or mathematical in in the way they've been designed, and it, it just causes you to have to stop and take a breath and say, "Wow." Yeah, where does that sense of awe come from when we go outside and look up at the sky? And I've heard some prominent atheists, the Richard Dawkins in particular of this world, who say, "You know what amazes and awes me is the whole." Big Bang and the theory of evolution that the universe is unfolding, and it's like, I think that is not inspiring. That brings me almost to despair, that thought that it's unfolding and it doesn't have a reason or a direction or a rhyme, and I'm this tiny molecule in a massive universe that doesn't mean anything. That's like, man, uh, I can see why some of the philosophers of the 19th century were saying, you may as well just take your life. What does it mean? You know, that, that's right. Why put up with the suffering and, and the difficulties of life? Then you look at the way that 95% of human beings react when they look up at the sky at night. And well, I'm thinking of Psalm chapter 8. You know that one really well. I conveniently turned to that a little bit earlier. Oh, nice. I was thinking about this. Psalm 8 and verse 3. When I consider your heavens, the psalmist says, and this is David. Right? When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mm. mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? So it's still this overwhelming sense of I'm tiny and this universe is big, but he sees something there. Somebody made this. He, he, absolutely. He sees something. And, and, and I think that what he sees is glory. That, that's in my mind. You know, you think about the story of, of Moses being on the mountain and, and he, Exodus and 33 and in the yeah. presence of God, he comes down, his face is glowing and, and the Israelites, they can't stand it. And they ask him to, to cover his face because right. they were in the presence of, of, of one that had been in the presence of glory. And, and he was, he was shining that out. And I think that to, to an extent, even in this sinful world, when we step outside and we see what God has created, we feel so small because we're in, in the presence of, of, of glory, and it, and it just has that, that awe that just Yeah, I tell you, when I, when I look up in the sky, I'm thinking, there is so much I don't know. Here I am desperately trying to maintain some form of control over my own life. You know, I'm trying to pretend I've got the answers in front of my kids, and, and, and I know I don't have any answers. And then when you step outside and look up, you think, I really don't have any answers That's because right. I haven't even figured out my meager existence yet. And all that is out there. And it works with precision such that, you know, you can set your watch by what goes on out there in the sky. That's right. And uh, why is it? You know, some I heard this in a commercial a while ago. Why is it that when we pick screensavers for our laptops, it's a mountain range, it's a field, it's the Milky Way? Why? 
you know, because we're trapped inside a that's box right. that man made that's four square walls and neon lights, and we're desperate to get back out where we know there's something bigger than us and better than us. And we're so powerless to get to those. I mean, we, we can barely get to the moon, and much less everything else that's up there. Yeah. It kind of irritates me that we haven't been back in 50 years, by the way. It, it, that does irritate us. Yeah. We can talk about Did you want to be an astronaut when you were a boy? I did. I yeah, did. me too. Man. I think every little boy wanted to be an astronaut. I went to NASA uh, with, my, with my parents, got to looking around, and I swore I was going to be uh, an astronaut. Yeah, but. I did too, but then I found out that not many Canadians get to be astronauts. There's a few famous ones now. Um, well, then, and, 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 well... Right. Well, I had I had questions on what what how do you how do you use the bathroom in the suit? I mean, that was that was just you my know question. What? I, you know I just, what? You know, I'm just NASA, saying. I know, and here we go. We've gone off topic already. You and I should probably never be in front of a microphone. <laughs> but NASA actually wrestled with that at one point because they were about to lift off. If I'm remembering the story right, and one of the astronauts said, "Uh, I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go." And so they said, "Don't go yet," because they're wearing a suit full of electronics, right? Oh, mercy, yeah, yeah. And so they went back and researched and did all, and then finally came back and said, okay, go ahead. <laughs> and you wet the suit. So there you go. Yeah. So there we go. We went from the majesty of creation to wetting right. a spacesuit somehow the, in the space of two right. minutes. And you can only get that kind of radio right here on radio Disclosure. Disclosure. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Question number one, who designed the world and everything in it? I think we all instinctively know somebody designed it, and very few people accept that there is no rhyme or reason to That's it. That's right. That's right. And the Bible declares that that is the creator God, who may be unsearchable, but searchable enough that you can find him. And it's interesting, and we'll move on to question number two, but it is interesting that the Bible assumes the existence of God. You're right. It doesn't debate it. It doesn't debate it. It doesn't try to prove the existence of God. It's just, boom, here it is. I'm God. Well, you know, in some versions of the Bible, I think it's Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11, it says that God has put eternity in our hearts. We know that this world and universe are bigger than our few 70, 80 years of existence, and there's something inside of us that screams it's bigger. There's something else out there. Um, and the Bible just seems to tap into that sense of eternity right out of the gate. It does, you're right. It doesn't try to prove That's it. Right. That's right. I wonder sometimes if Christians are making a mistake, the more they try to be God's lawyers and try and prove he exists. Why not tap into the idea that God has planted knowledge of himself everywhere? Everywhere. That's and right. appeal to it instead of trying to argue. And that would make a better world. Yeah, it really would. All right, question number two. When How many questions? Have I, we there's, spent, there's we spent 20 minutes on, yeah, okay. Yeah, we will never finish there. this. That's why yeah. you need to order the course. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. When did God create our world? That's uh, an easy one, right? Yep, yep. Genesis 1, verse 1. All right, Genesis 1, verse 1. You in, should know this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's so right. the beginning, right? We right, all instinctively right know we had a beginning. I think we all do. That's right. I wrestle with the thought that something doesn't have a beginning, so that's natural for us to assume beginnings. So this is this might open up a, a can of another thirty minutes here, but um, but what about what about this theory of deep time when you're talking about the 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 Earth and the 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 age of the Earth? What are you talking about? Like you know, like like some people say, okay, well, car- carbon dating has oh. told us that okay, uh, he, that the Earth listen. has got to be old, 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 and and you know when when you listen to a siren. It's got the Doppler effect. When it's approaching you, it's one pitch, and after it passes you, it's the other pitch. And that's because in one direction, it's compressing the sound waves, and in the other direction, they're expanding. So to your ear, the pitch drops after the siren passes you. The light is a wave, and it works exactly the same way. So here's what they discover at the telescope there north of Pasadena years and years and years ago, whatever that one is called up there on Mount Wilson. The Mount Wilson Observatory. Duh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. so, so they're sitting there watching this, and they can see red shift, where the spectrum they're looking at in the sky shifts to red. Well, that only happens when light's moving away from you. The back end is expanding instead of compressing. They're thinking, man, that means the universe is expanding. And if the universe is expanding, then it had to have a beginning. That's right. But now there's a conundrum. The conundrum is this. 
well, if we, you know, if, if we admit there's a God, that means we're morally accountable to God. And so we have to have life come into being by an accident, but the probability of that is low. So they kept pushing time further back and further back and further back to account for the probability until they got to 13 billion years. You know, and so basically they were playing a probability game because they were trying to escape the obvious conclusion that the Bible's story, well, they wouldn't phrase it this way, but the Bible says it had a beginning and God was the beginning. And uh, and they wanted to avoid that. And so now we sit at what, 13 and a half billion years and yeah. 4 billion years for life. Is that what you meant by deep time? Yeah, yeah, and and of course the 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 how old the Earth itself is. Okay, let's come back to that. To that. Let's, let's come back to that. that because they're playing the music. Which That's time right. you talk too much, Alex? You just I know. Talk, you used I up know. all the time. All right, we're going to take a little break and we're going to come back. <laughs> we're on question two out of ten, but that means you should just order the course. That's what you should do. We'll be right back. Disclosure is just one of the programs brought to you by the Voice of Prophecy, like the audio adventure program, Discovery Mountain. Discovery Mountain is a weekly Bible-based program for kids of all ages and backgrounds. Your family will enjoy faith-building stories with Jake Donovan, (laughs) Mr. Simon, and others in this small mountain town. Each summer, campers visit Discovery Mountain, where they sing songs, learn about God, and reenact a Bible story with the help of drama teachers, Miss Wendy and Miss Tamara. With 24 full episodes every year and programming every week, your family will have something uplifting to listen to every week. Listen to episodes on demand and watch video features from director Doug at discoverymountain.com or on your favorite podcast platform. That's discoverymountain.com. So here we are in the third quarter of this Bible study. If it was the Super Bowl, we would have just had the halftime show. Aren't you glad I didn't sing for you during the break? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I have many gifts in life. Well, no, I have a few gifts in life, and singing has never been one of them. And uh, Alex and I are both preachers, and uh, he can sing. I've heard him. He's good. Uh, I cannot. I've always envied those preachers who could sing their own appeal song at the end of the sermon. But you can play the piano. Yeah, I used to. Yeah, now I play a, like I got That's a secret I on. just put out there. Yeah, so. no, I don't play. I, I haven't touched it in almost 30. No, it's been more than 30 years since I practiced. <laughs> All right. Hey, listen, we're looking at lesson number one of the brand new Discover Bible Study Guides. These are free for you. They're gorgeous. They cover all the major themes of the Bible. That's right. And uh, they'll put you in the driver's seat, in the know. You can be one of those ones in the know. And people who have finished the Discover course end up, I don't mean to be braggadocious, but they end up knowing more about the Bible than some of the preachers in their town, to be honest, just to be That's frank. Right. And right. so uh, you want to take advantage of this. It starts out with very simple questions. No, not simple. They're profound. But... Um, can we believe in God? Does he exist? And that's what we're talking about a little bit today. Uh, we'll never broach this whole topic. That's why you really need to ask us for Discover Guide number one so that you can take a look at this yourself. But you're about to go to—we had said, you know, in the beginning. There was a beginning for human life. I think that's we right. all instinctively know there was a beginning. Uh, and so we're on to question three, I guess. Or were you well, still we on were, two? We were at the end of two where we were right. talking about the— So the we'll age, never get done the ten. Age of this you know, particular earth. But, uh, just, oh, yeah, you were going to make a comment on that. I, you I were was, talking about I that. I was going go to go to Genesis chapter two because we always go to Genesis chapter one, verse yeah. one, in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other day I was reading— Genesis 2, and I ran into verse 4, and I, I guess I've just skipped it every time I read it. But, uh, All right, he, I'm getting my glasses on because I am the elder in the room. Uh, I've got them too. I just didn't bring them, so I'm pulling right. the book way back out there. Uh, Genesis 2, verse 4, this is the history.
mystery of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And it's interesting the way that 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 verse to me is phrased, in the day they were created, the heavens and the earth were created. And when you go back and you read Genesis chapter 1, you realize the heavens were created on the second day. And so I think that there's, there's... there's an indication, uh, or at least an inclination of the Bible, to suggest that um, that the earth was created right at creation. Right. I know, and there's some people, you, you say, oh, no, no, these all represent huge, long periods of time these days, but the Hebrew word used is yom. It means a literal 24-hour day. That's, That's right. literally what it means. Because You run into all kinds of problems. This is evening in the morning of the first day, and then uh, God uh, puts plants out and then comes up with a permanent source of light with it for them the next day. But if those days were millions of years, so the plants sit in dark with no photosynthesis for millions of years, the way the story is told, they mean that God chose a point in time and created this. And and I think that I think that that is actually brilliant by God, knowing in the future what the questions are going to be. He sets light coming in after the creation of the plants. Oh, I never thought about it it that way. It has no no choice. It's 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 just brilliant. Uh, Question number three: How how did human beings come into existence? Storks. Storks, storks. That's Big what my kids. Storks. That's what my kids told one of my brothers just to avoid the question. You had two storks because you had to carry that the head. The right? big head. Yeah, <laughs> the giant head. We need a double stork to carry the giant head in. Uh, no, that's a Dutch tradition, and the storks drop the babies down the chimney. But if you have a big head, you don't fit down the chimney either. I had to be rescued. All right. In all seriousness, though, um, how did human beings come into existence? And and of course, Genesis two seven tells. Oh, we were us just there, and I closed my Bible. Yeah, did, so let me go too. back there. Genesis 2 and verse 7. Okay. And let's read that for us. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Yeah. So It's a short sentence, but there's an awful lot there. It's powerful, man. Yeah. So God... God God brought us into existence. He 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 creates us. Not only does he create uh, this this world, the stars, the, the sun, the moon, the the animals, but he actually creates us. And and it's interesting too because he calls everything into existence by his word. Yeah, right. But, but then something changes when he's creating you and me. Ah. Oh, I haven't thought about this. He's, he stoops down. He, he he takes that you know that earth that clay. becomes far more intimate. Yeah, much more intimate. I mean, this is this is, and this this is what what the rest of Scripture talks about. It's talk talking about a personable God, a God that 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 can be known. If you remember Daniel chapter two, in Daniel chapter two, when the king is all angry and he calls these magicians and astrologers, right. and and finally what he's asking them to do, they cannot do, and they answer with the, with this with this answer. They said, "O king, what you're asking for, no one can do, except for the gods that dwell." without man or outside of man in some place that they don't contact man but that's not the the god of the bible the god of the bible is a personable god who wants to dwell yeah, that's with us. incredible it's a beginning of a relationship that's right he's not what you know there was a movement in the um 17 and 1800s known as deism deism been around for a while but basically okay maybe somebody made this world uh, but then they took off, like an absentee land, uh, you know, landowner, uh, an absentee landlord, and they don't care about us. They don't intervene. They're not here anymore. They just started it in motion. This flies in the face of that. God That's is right. getting involved. He's got his hands in the dirt. Got, he got he got dirty. Yeah, he just didn't speak it. He actually got got dirty. And when you follow that theory all the way out to the plan of salvation, you realize he got really dirty. Yeah. Yeah. And, absolutely. And that that is, is just profound. It's like God saying, "This has got to be exactly right." 
It's got to right. be exactly right. right. You know, it's funny. In the eighth grade, I had this teacher, and I wasn't a particular. I was raised in a Bible-believing home, but uh, wasn't much of a Christian. But I had this teacher in the eighth grade. He was the science teacher, biology, and he would mock Christianity all the time or mock people of belief in public school system. And he'd say, ah, you think you're special. You are more closely related to the junk at the bottom of your fireplace than anything else. You're basically made out of dust and ashes. And I thought, wait a minute. He actually just, you know, that's all the Bible actually does say. God used the dust of the ground. So people run around saying, oh, you, you, you Christians in your fairy tales, we're scientific and we know that we're carbon-based life forms. Well, that's exactly what it says. Right. It's exactly right. what it says. And so there's, there's a lot there. Now, Genesis 1 and 2 is not a deep scientific treatise. No, yeah. it doesn't get into yeah. every detail about how molecules are connected and stuff, but it's, there's nothing there that science hasn't confirmed and there's nothing there that science has denied. That's it's right. just, I love that intimacy. Um, and the probability, again, I know we keep coming back to probability, the probability that this is an accident. You remember the, was it the Uray Miller experiments in the 1950s? They thought, we're going to prove how life comes into being by itself. So he puts a bunch of, you know, primordial soup and test tubes and uh, and sends electrical charge. Right. This is the way the Earth was. There's primordial muck and the lightning. And the best they did was come up with something that kind of looked like an amino acid. An amino acid is so far from becoming, you know, sentient life that it's not funny. And yeah, the absolutely. odds are, I think, I, I think that um, it was a scientist friend of mine that said the odds of life coming to existence on its own is like a snail crossing the universe to get one grain of sand off of the beach in, you know, California, and crossing the universe to drop it off. By the time it's picked up all the grains of sand, you're almost at the point where it could happen. And, and so, you know, how long does it take a snail to cross the universe? That, that's right. That's right. Or if you fill a gymnasium full of dice and you blow it up and the dice land all over the city and they all land on six. And, and nobody believes that. No, I no. Mean, you know, it's no, like you'd take... say someone was cheating if that happened. That, that's right. That's, yeah. And then you'd have to explain where the dice came from anyway. And, and that's ultimately ah, yeah, that's what we get point. into. We can't, yeah. we can't find where the, where, the, where the foundation is. Right. But, but that brings us to this question number four, because uh, the statement that, that you said about you guys are, are nothing more than, than ash, well— the issue isn't so nobody really believes that nobody wants to well and the issue isn't so much the ash and so, or, or the dirt it, it's what can you do with it you know when I when I look at the artist and he's got this big log and he's about to carve that thing it doesn't look like anything to me yeah but when he as a master artist carves it out and he turns it into something that that to me is amazing I'm like wow you got that out of, out of that yeah. and God takes God takes this earth that is just earth and forms it into into us into man and breathes into it and that's incredible but more incredible is what question number four is leading right, us to, and go, that is, go. in whose image were men and women created? Uh, uh, and that, that now starts getting extremely profound. Yeah, we'll probably kill the rest of the show on this one, but <laughs> this is huge. So. This is huge. So we're, right. we're back to Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. Yep. Genesis chapter 1, looking at verses 26 and 27. Okay. And that will tell us in whose image All right. we were created in. Okay. And so it says, then God said... Let us make man in our, our, our image, image right. which, by the way, is an interesting way to say that. Um, he could have just said, let me make man in my image. But he speaks about himself in the plural. He, he does. Uh, that's a show for another day, that probably. That is a different but, show, completely yeah. different show. But interesting, right up from the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, we see this plurality there that we'll have to explain in a, in a different lesson. But let us make man in our image according to... Our, our likeness. likeness. And and that starts painting this picture. And as we start thinking about what does that mean, um, there's another interesting verse in Genesis chapter 5. Yep. 
Okay. Let so me take a look at that. Let's go to Genesis chapter 5. Looking. I knew I had to bring my Bible into studio and today. Three. I knew we'd be going in here. So Genesis 5. Genesis 5, looking at 2 and 3. Never bring a brand new Bible into the studio because the pages don't open like you hoped. Look at that. Yeah, Five is in that, the pages that, that are stuck together. That text is tiny, man. Look at that. Well, I know. I know. You're gonna need it was a mistake. I bought it on Amazon. But it's got, it's got amazing margins, though. Yeah, it does. I've got two inches for writing notes in there. You can write a whole book in And there. this is only like, I don't want to put in a plug for Amazon, but it was like $25 on Amazon. Oh, mercy. That's yeah. why all the stores are going out of business. Yeah. That's okay. a different show. Genesis 5, 5, looking at verses 2 and 3. Uh, okay. Grab those for us. He created them, male and female, and blessed them and called them mankind in the day they were created. And Adam lived... Uh, we're going into verse 3 as well? Yes, I think so. And Adam lived 130 years, begot a son in his own likeness after his image, and named him Seth. Look at those words come back up there again. When we start looking at Genesis 1, we're thinking, man, what does it mean to be in the likeness and in the image of God? Uh, because we, we can we can you know say, oh, well, maybe that's not quite what it means. But then we go to cha- uh, to, to verse 5, or chapter 5, verse three, uh, 2 and 3, and we realize that the words are used again. Well, it repeats it, it right? Repeats when Adam it. has his own son, his son is said to be in his likeness. In his so, likeness in his image. So we're probably, you know, it, it, you want to be careful how you phrase this, because we are not like God, but we are like God. And, and God is telling us in the beginning, you are made in my image, you are my children. That's right. That's right. Look, we know what the, we know that we're not God, because right. in Genesis chapter three, the serpent says to, to Eve, "If you eat of this fruit, you will be like God." You will be, and that was the that was a huge lie. I mean, yeah, look yeah. at the mess yeah, yeah. we're in. Right. And yet, and yet, there is something that is that is similar. There is something that God said, "I'm going to take time to make man in in our likeness," and and that I think we take probably pretty pretty lightly in this world. Well, you know, I'm thinking back to the Reformation period, and we had some great theologians come out of Christianity during that period, and they would emphasize this. And I remember, because I I grew up in some of those traditions and had to memorize the catechisms, but they would always underline, like, what is my purpose in life? It's to enjoy God forever. I believe that's the Westminster Catechism said that. But it's also this idea that we are here to reflect God's glory, that we are a tribute to the goodness of the universe, the essential goodness of God. And so if we're made in his likeness, I think, yeah, okay, you know, God describes himself in anthropomorphic terms eyes, hands, stuff. And he takes on human form and so on. He moves in our direction. But we were created in the image of God to reflect his glory. And um, and so we were created in a way that if someone looked at us, just the way that you and I look at nature and can see God, that's right. someone should be able to look at us. Let's say there were visitors from somewhere else in the universe. They look at us and go, ah, that's God's work. That's God's work. They look like God. That's right. That's right. And I don't look like God, except that God designed us to be that way. Uh, we have moral agency like him. We can learn to love like him. That's right. And we can reflect who he is to the universe. Even if we're marred, we, we still have the ability through the power of God to reflect him. Yeah. So I, that's an amazing concept that, I don't know, what does it mean to be made in the likeness of God? I hear the music playing, Alex. Man, we were on question. What question was that? We're heading to question number five. Okay. We're, we're doing work. All right. Good. That question is, how does Christ fit into the creation picture? Here's a picture I didn't understand for years and years and years. This will blow your mind. So we're going to take a little break, and then we'll come back and blow your mind by having right. a look at how does Christ fit into the creation picture. You're listening to Disclosure. We're looking at our brand new Discover Bible course. It is yours free of charge. We'll be right back after this. You toss and turn in bed and find yourself awake in the middle of the night. Your mind is in turmoil and you're overstressed with the stuff of everyday life. You need peace and calm in the middle of the storm. 
The answer you need is found in our free Discover Bible Guides. You can get yours by contacting us at VOP.com. Click on the tab that says Study or call me at 888-456-7933. That's 888-456-7933. As you may know, the Voice of Prophecy is supported by people just like you. We provide Christ-centered programs and Bible studies free of charge so that no one is left out. If you've been blessed by these programs and would like to pay it forward, we invite you to visit VOP.com give to make your tax-deductible donation. We're equipping the world for Christ to come, and your support will make a direct impact on so many lives. That's VOP.com give. What do you get if you put two preachers in a studio and put 10 Bible questions in front of them? You get about half the questions you get done, right? Halfway done. Yeah, we get about halfway good. done. Yeah, I'm with Alex Rodriguez, or our very own A Rod at The Voice of Prophecy. We're looking at our brand new Discover Bible Guides, and uh, we've been in the business of correspondence Bible schools for, well, since the 1940s, so we're 70-some years. You're looking good for 70-some years. Yeah. Well, I wasn't there for the first ones, but I am here for these ones. And uh, this particular version of the Bible course came out first in the 1990s, but we've just redone it. That's right. Completely top to bottom. It is beautiful. You can uh, amaze your friends and dazzle your neighbors with how beautiful this is. Hey, we've been getting a ton of traction on these. There's there's just an incredible love for this. Uh, They're well done. Yeah, and they cover all the major themes of the Bible. They really do. You will become something of a Bible expert. I mean, none of us really are ever Bible experts. Only God is a Bible expert. But you'll become something of an expert because you'll cover all the major themes, and at least you'll know where to find the answers from now on. That's right. So it starts out with we can believe in God, and we've been talking about the origins of human life. and, uh, And the question we asked just before the break was, what is the role of Christ, or what was the exact question? How did Christ fit into the creation picture? Yeah, this blew my mind. I grew up around Christians. I wasn't always a Christian, but I did grow up around them. And what we're about to look at, I never understood, and it blew my mind when I did understand mm-hmm. it. So how did Christ fit in? Where are we going to go? Well, we're going to Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, right. verses 15 through 17. Um, and I actually have it printed off here. Okay. Yeah, I... You know what? We'll do it. I have the show notes too. So I. All right. We got it. All right. I didn't put verse divisions in there, though. Do you have verse divisions? No, I don't. All right. We're going to start in 15. This is the letter Paul wrote to the church in Colossae, which was in modern day Turkey. All right. There's the background. All right. He is the image of the invisible God. So it's talking about Jesus. Right. Okay. The firstborn over all creation. Mm -hmm. For by him, and this this is important, for by him, all things. I got my highlighter and I'm highlighting this. For by him, all things were created, and and that's profound by him because uh, we're we're talking about Jesus Christ, and as we know Jesus Christ, he was he was born uh, the Gospels, but but here we have a verse saying that he would have had to have preexisted then, because right. by him he was there before Bethlehem. He was there before Bethlehem. By him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Oh, that's big. So you're not that just you, you not only made it and came before everything, but the reason they continue to exist is because of him. Yeah, that's right. That's He's right. holding 
he not only made the universe, he's holding it together. Everything consists in there. And and you remember you remember Jesus uh, when he calmed the storm and, and the disciples said said, Who 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 is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And that is because in him all things consist. He's he is the okay, one. Okay, so think so. Think things. about this. I mean, I know we're going to go off. These aren't really rabbit trails. They're all important. But here we are looking through electron microscopes. We're trying to figure out the microscopic world. We're trying to figure out, you know, what is the material that holds these molecules together, and why are the laws of the universe at the microscopic level different than they are at the macroscopic That's level? Right. Where's the unifying principle? We can't define it all. And Jesus can speak, and the winds and the waves obey him, because right down to the molecular level, it's all his, and it's it all exists his. because of him. That's right. He, he is sustaining it. And, and I've often said that um, when you think about uh, you think about individuals that don't want to walk with Jesus, uh, years ago I was on the fire department where you go into burning buildings with these mm-hmm. SCBAs, you know, uh, kind of like uh, scuba diving as well. And um, I've always related it to uh, to somebody reaching back and, and turning off their, their oxygen. You would never think about doing that when you're underwater mm. or never think about doing mm. that when you're, you're in a burning building. But when you've got a God that sustains everything walking away from him is actively turning off the oxygen only source of life in the universe only source right science is still working on what is life and we don't know I mean, we That's can't right. start it we keep trying we can't start it we started cloning sheep remember dolly the sheep then we That's found right. out that it was like making bad photocopies because with every generation the telomeres got shorter and shorter and shorter and so we're not even creating life we're just Using the material that's there. Yeah. Yeah. Why did Frankenstein, Mary Shelley's novel in the 1800s, be to captivate everybody's imagination? We can reanimate a corpse. What bothers us is we don't know the secret of life. We can, we'll never figure it out. We no can't idea. create life. I have no idea. But something, something or somebody did, and this is telling us it was Jesus himself, second person of the Godhead, and he still holds it together. He still holds it together. The I mean, reason I can breathe this morning is because he's still holding it together. It's because he's allowed it. And, and, and it's not the only place we find that in Scripture. We go to first, uh, or not first John, but we go to John chapter 1, verse right. 1, and, and read that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And, and again, you get the picture that everything was created by him. Right. Hebrews 1 is another one that I think about all the time. Hebrews... I didn't have my Bible open there, but if you look at Hebrews 1, and it's verses 2 and 10, I think. I remember these, these Jesus as the creator, you can find them in all the first chapters. Hebrews 1, John 1, Colossians mm-hmm. 1. And in Hebrews chapter 1, I mean, when I finally got this, that, wait a minute, you know, I, I used to think, okay, uh, for some reason I got this idea in my head. God the Father created the world, and then we messed up, and God wanted to kill us. For that, and Jesus steps in between saying, no, don't kill them. I'll, I'll, I'll sort that, this mess that's out right, somehow. That's, right. that's messed up. That is not what the Bible teaches. No. Jesus is the agent of creation. All members of the Godhead were there, Father, that's Son, right. Holy Spirit. Um, Jesus brought us into life. He comes into the garden heartbroken that we've sinned. And the Bible says he already triggered a plan to save us before we ever sinned in case something went wrong because we were free to make decisions. Right. And he steps in. He's the creator. He sustains life, and he's trying to save us. And it's all him. And it's, and it's all the Father. Yeah, it's it's profound because remember Jesus says I am the truth and the life and the way, and and later he says uh, of himself he says I will lay down my life, and I will take it back again. Yeah, nobody took it from him. It's all him. Here it is. I found it. This is Hebrews one and verse two. This is new Bible I got from Amazon. The pages stick together. God it says in verse two has in these last days spoken us to us by His Son. In other words, he showed up in person to deliver the message. Whom he has appointed heir of all things, so Jesus gets the world, through whom also he made the worlds. 
It's, they're both there together. Here's the, God the Father speaking to the Son in verse 10 of Hebrews 1. You, Lord, calls him Lord, and it uses Jehovah. Yeah. That's right. You, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. That's the Father speaking to the Son. That's powerful. Yeah. It's, it's, you know what else was in here? He creates things that are visible and invisible, and we also all seem to have this sense that there's more to this world than we can see with our eyes. That, that's right. There's something going on in the background. And, um, you know, we can look at cultures around the world that have their mythology and call them superstitious, but the one thing that seems to hold them all together is this acknowledgement that there's more to this world than meets the eye. There's something going on in the background that we've lost sight of a long time ago. That's right. There's an invisible world as well. That's right. Yeah. And, and this brings us uh, to the to the back portion of the of the study, and we probably should just oh, yeah. okay. treat all this together in six minutes. But there's, there's, <laughs> we can't. There's but. several questions back here, and they they all talk about the love of God. What single word describes God? With what kind of love does God love us? How did God reveal His love to us? So you have you have all these questions pertaining to to Christ and how He fit into the creation picture and and the the outflow of love. So let, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, okay. What what about this this love of God? What is what is that? How how does that drive um, not only the creation but um, but everything else that the Scripture talks about after Genesis three in the fall? Right. Well, you know, we talk about that the universe. God creates and He steps back and He says it is very good. Not even just good. That's this right. is amazing. It's good. Why? Because if you see the fingerprints of God on creation, it's a reflection of who He is. And if everything he created is very good, it means he's also very good. That's right. That's not an egotistical statement. God created a universe where everything worked in perfect harmony, designed for happiness and completeness and joy and satisfaction and all those things. And uh, and that's when it says God is love. It's so much more than just a sentimental feeling. That's right. Love is a principle that works for the benefit of other. And uh, and God created for the benefit of all. And gives. matter of fact, if God is love, of course, you know, and we're going to probe. You said we got six minutes, but, you know, God has revealed triune. You said, let us make man in our image. Right. He's triune. We always say that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's one God, but three people. That's right. If God is love, he can't just be one person. That's right. He can't That's be. Right. Because genuine selfless love, not human love, but genuine selfless love needs other to live for. And so you That's got right. three. You got three that live for each other. Well, and and this 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 concept of of, of triune, this this Trinity type concept, comes out in Genesis chapter two, when we're yeah, when we're okay. looking at Genesis chapter two towards the end. This is uh, when when Eve is created, uh, verse twenty one. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he, and he brought her to the man. That that to me is profound. Because before that, God had spent time time with Adam, yeah. and now He puts Adam to sleep, and He creates Eve, and He spends time with Eve because He's the one that brings her to Adam. And then after that hmm. is when we see, and Adam said, "This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh." And so you've got you've got this concept where God develops a relationship with Adam, then He develops a relationship with Eve, then He brings them and He marries them, and now they are this union of three: God, Adam, and, and oh. Eve. And so what happens oh, in sir, Genesis well chapter 3 is yeah. you you have this broken love. Adam and Eve break love from from God. Right. And so then we have a, a, a the rest of the entire corpus of scripture is describing on how God is is um 
is going to find his bride again, rescuing his bride. Wow. And he never broke love. He That's never the broke point. Love. He remains love. He's unchangeable. That's right. right. Which is actually what question seven. With what kind of love does God love us? Jeremiah 31, it says, The Lord has appeared to me of old, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Um, everlasting love. He didn't change. He didn't we change. Did. We, we did. And so he didn't change. We did. And he came to the earth to do something in particular. Right. And so then that's the question. What is it that he came to do in the earth when he... Oh, you want to get that done in one show? No. Because studying the cross of Christ, uh, my goodness, and we, well, we have two minutes left, but this is a big point, right? He creates us. And then he comes and lives among us. This is the big one, right? Question eight. Question eight. How did God reveal his love to us? The big one. For God, you see this at every football game. Look up the text when people are waving the card around. That's right. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, remember, the son is the agent of creation. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How can I lose you? That's what God is saying. How can I lose you? I haven't stopped loving you. I mean, if you want to walk away, you're free. I'm not going to force anything. But I love you. Uh, verse 17 is big, too. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him it might be saved. That's he right. doesn't stop loving us, even though we quit loving him. Yeah, and, and you know, here's here's a, a, a bit of a, a, a profound thought here. Um, well, it is John, John chapter 17, um, Jesus' prayer. And in, in that prayer, Jesus says uh, that they might be one as as we are one. And so he declares once again that that he and the Father are are one. And so when we talk about for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, we've got to remember that they are one. So really what that means is for God so loved the world that he gave himself. That's got to be what it is, because at one point Jesus says, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down. That's right. And here it says God gave his son. Well, who did the giving? God did. God did. Because God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit are all in on this. That's right. They all gave of themselves. God gives himself as the sacrifice for mankind so that he could restore the broken love in Genesis chapter 3. Second Corinthians, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. We're down to 52 seconds. Ver- question 9, what can separate us from the love of Christ? This should be your homework assignment out there in Radio Land. Go out there and read Romans 8, starting in verse 35. Nothing is the answer. I'll Nothing give you a little hint. Answer. Nothing can separate you from the love of God except yourself. And if there's you an invitation it, that it. God gives us in question number 10. What is that invitation? To tell me. Well, the invitation <laughs> is that God, God, because he did never break love with us, right? he's willing to take us back. Yeah. I, I will take you back. That's right. It's um, it's amazing. He made us. He loves us. He wants us back. We've, we ruined the show. Is there a God? Yeah, there is. He's the answer to every problem that you've got. Listen, it's the Discover Bible course, and Alex, people can get that by going to voiceofprophecy.com. Until next time, I'm Sean, and this is Alex, and uh, you've been listening to Disclosure.